Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So I'm so, so excited for this one. So with the legend that is Paul Mort. So Paul is a dad of two, husband, businessman, lover of boxing and BJJ, the email king, master coach of the year 2019, author of Fucking Unstoppable. So just before you guys listen to this, they're probably... Dude, come on! I love that! <laughs> probably will be that. a parental advisory. Huh? Dude, that's the fastest intro I've ever had and one of the most accurate. I copied it from your bio, so you wrote it yourself. I love it, mate. I can't wait to add more things to that. <laughs> so, oh, who are you that, I, that I've left out? And tell us your story yeah. because I think the biggest thing for yourself is your mental health story. And that's why you've launched your own podcast now. We had the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury on it recently. So yeah. I'm going to get you to tell your story. So my story is kind of what you just said, like master coach of the year, dad, husband, businessman, email king, author of Fuckman Unstoppable, author of a new book that's about to be announced by one of the biggest publishing houses in the world, uh, host of the brand new Paul Moore Talk Shit podcast. And this is just where I'm at right now, which is a, a series of fucking fuck-ups and accidents that led me here. <laughs> I'm not even, honestly, my speaking coach, so I'm also a speaker, international speaker, um, and I do a lot of keynotes. Well, I used to before every keynote thing was ever, where everything was fucking banned. Um, although we have just got news that we're going to have 100 people in October, Shane, at our Alliance event. Oh, wow. We have 100 people in Manchester. So that'll be my biggest platform this year, actually, which is mad. I'm used to like 800 people, 900 people. Yeah, you're meant to do IFS. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, IFS is obviously done. But yeah, we're allowed to do, we're allowed to do this big um, thing. Anyway, um. And my speaking coach goes crazy because I say I quite literally fell and stumbled into what I do right now through a series of fuck-ups. <laughs> so I ended up here back in 2014. I was suicidal. And I kind of joke about this. I will get emotional at some point because even though I've mentioned it, talked about it must be hundreds of times now. Um, like, it's still a big deal for me. So 2014, I'm in this place where I'm living in Marbella. I've got a successful business. I've built and sold successful businesses. I'm living in Marbella, hot wife. My daughter's born there. I've already got a two-year-old son. I'm living in a four-bedroom villa with a private pool. Got everything you thought I ever I thought I ever wanted, but inside, I'm fucking empty. Later that year, we moved back home because I'm diagnosed bipolar disorder, and I'm having terrible anxiety, panic, obviously super low issues. So we moved back home, and within a few months, I'm. Um, ready to take my own life, stood on the edge of a cliff, um, ready to end it all. And then a couple of things happened that transformed that for me. One of them was my wife asking me to consider the kids growing up as those kids whose dad essentially gave up on them for the rest of their lives. Her having to carry that guilt, my parents having to carry that guilt, my friends, my family having to carry all that guilt with them. And I wasn't willing to do that. And then secondly, it was the Christmas day that year, My uh, the, the lady that was on Suicide Watch, Basically, she used to babysit me. She said, if you don't get your shit together, you're going to die. And those were the two things that changed for me. That led me on this massive journey. And, and I say lucky enough, I'm, there was no luck involved because obviously I'd fucked a lot of shit up. They would have made the money that I made. I was able to fly over the world, doing courses, going on retreats, having some of the best mentors around, the best coaches around, doing workshops, mad shit, and managed to, by hook or by crook, turn my life around mentally, physically, and emotionally. I ended up, um, losing five stone. I'm in the shape of my life right now, actually. Um, I 
managed to get off the bipolar medication, the depression medication, managed to not give a boost completely. I still have one probably three, four times a year. Um, managed to give up drugs, all that shit that went with that. Managed to get a handle on jumping out of a plane, wrote a book, completed SAS selection training, um, saved my marriage, and became a, a fucking 300 times better dad, even though that's not a real number. I started this podcast, done, done some mad shit, probably loads of shit that I've missed out. Um, and that's kind of the long and short of it, mate. Yeah, ended up helping, well, 5.7 million people have watched a video that's had an impact on them. Um, about my suicide recovery, essentially, what it was like being that low, what rock bottom was really like. Do you find it hard to be Not hard, but what I will say is that, and I spoke to Tyson Fury about this as well, because it's a big thing, I got asked that question fairly often, do you think you'll ever end up back there? And the answer is yes. I will end up back there if I go back to my old behaviours. Because that, that suicide... Five stone overweight, anxious, burnt out, hated everybody, including myself. That didn't. That wasn't an accident. That was created by me through my behaviours, through my ability to deal with shit. That was how I just did the best I could with what I had. And unfortunately, that led me to rock bottom. If I stop doing what got me out of that and keeps me out of that and start doing the shit that I did before, I'm going to guarantee that I'll end up back there. It's like someone... You know this, it's like someone that gets in shape and then stops doing the shit that got them in shape. And they're gonna. And the, the, the reality is, it would be even worse for me second time around because I'd be aware that I'd created it myself. Back then, I wasn't aware that I created it myself. I'd blame bipolar. Oh, I've got bipolar. Oh, it's my upbringing. Oh, I've only got two GCSEs. Oh, people are this, people are that. I was doing my best then. So if I ended up back there again, I'd have the guilt and the shame of knowing that it was my fault. Yeah. That it was my responsibility. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a, it's makes like a lot somebody of sense. gains weight. Yeah, when somebody when somebody gains weight, they gain more. Yeah, it would be the same deal with my, my with my mental health, my mindset, and probably my body. And it's like you talk about kind of like people making excuses an awful lot, whether it be yeah. the kind of the mental health side of things, whether it be kind yeah. of the business side of things, because that's what you do as well. Yeah. You business mentor as yes. well, yes. and like. The, one of the things you say is the more times you don't do what you said you would, the less people will trust yeah. you. And that's the biggest thing. Yeah. The lower your self-worth, the lower your self-worth is. Yeah, and you talk about that an awful lot through the trainings that I've been on with you. Yeah. And I think it, yeah. I think that hit home for an awful lot of the lads. Yes. Well, how can yes. someone kind of try to kind of get away from making those excuses? Yeah, well, they've got to create something that's bigger than their excuse. <laughs> so essentially, all of our excuses feel real. They feel real. That's why we make them. Um, and they usually will dampen or take away the intensity of the guilt that we feel normally. That's why it was the justifications more than anything. Justifications of, and usually they're actually the easiest option. You've got to understand that we're kind of wired to take the path of least resistance. So it's obvious we're going to make excuses. I would. I do. I still do it. Still make justifications. And the way we get away from that is by, again, finding something that we give more of a fuck about. So I get asked this about booze all the time. In fact, I'm recording a podcast next week about people, it challenges people's mindset, this, is that I don't drink when I'm on holiday. I drink at other times of the year, maybe three, four times a year, usually at the end of a quarter. I think my last drink was the 8th of May this year. Not that long, but um, it'll soon be fucking four months, five months, six months even. I don't have any plans on drinking right now, but it's because I've got something that I give more of a fuck about. And that is... 
getting the shape of my life on my 40th birthday, get my blue belt in jiu-jitsu, continuing to expand my mission, which is impacting as many people as possible in a positive way, um, creating this new book that I've got going down um, with the second biggest publisher, or one of the biggest publishers in the world. Um, and essentially, I don't have time to make excuses. I've got things that I give more of a fuck about. The reason I don't drink on holiday, I don't want my kids to see me drunk. And I haven't got time to feel like shit when I come back. People, hey, why don't you drink on holiday? It's like what people do. I'm like, well, I've gone on holiday for a rest because I've been working my ass off. But also, that's not just a reward for hard work. Rest isn't just a reward for hard work. It's a prerequisite for kicking ass when I get back. And I had this podcast launch going on. I've got loads of shit going on again now. So that holiday for me wasn't just a, let's put as much shit in my body as I can. I did actually put two kilos on. Dude, check this out. I came back and I was 83 kilos. I was fucking furious. I was 79.9 before I went away. My goal weight is just 79. I was 83 and I'm thinking, how the fuck's that? Dude, within two days, I'm down to 80.7. So I'm like, because you think about it, I couldn't have put three kilos no, of fat on. Definitely not. So I'm just like, that's pure volume of food in my stomach. Do you know what it was? Pita bread. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Corfu. All I ate was fucking pita bread. How did the, how yeah. did the kids cope with you and the budgie smugglers? They're just, my son thinks it's weird. Yeah. Dude, my son thinks it's weird. <laughs> my son thinks it's weird. But I'm like, listen, it's kind of, they're comfortable. And I tell you what, dude, people can't resist making comments about them. Fully enough, it's usually fat dudes making the comments. Yeah, the people, it's people in a worse <laughs> position than you are that are going to make the comments. And that happens with everyone. I'm like, listen, dude, when my abs come through, I'll not even be wearing a shirt ever. <laughs> see, I've never had a six pack in my life. I'm nearly 40 years old. And I was a PT way back when I was 20 fucking, 28, 29. Um, PT when I was 30, actually. That was the last time I PT'd anybody when I was 30. So nine, almost 10 years ago. I didn't even have a six pack then. I'm in better shape now than I was then. But when that when those abs come through, there's no way I'm wearing a shirt, ever. <laughs> I'm going into the bank with no top on. <laughs> Listen, dude. You don't buy a Ferrari and keep it in the garage all the time, That's very you? true. That's very true. You buy a Ferrari and not drive it. Anyway, so yeah, I'll give you, I've totally skirted <laughs> over your question, by the way. It's good, it's good. Um, Basically, we need to create something that our results need to become bigger than our reasons. We need to give more of a fuck about our results than we do about our reasons. And that will often involve maybe having somebody that you have a fear of letting down. Maybe having someone that's what... you got to consider... People are always watching what you're doing. What are they saying? What are you showing them? In private or in public? People are always listening. What are you saying? What do your actions say about you? What do your words say? That can be your kids, your wife, your friends, your family, your staff, your clients, people on social media. The thing is, social media will show people what we want. In private, we can't show people what we want. That's why, mate, this is an interesting thing. I always love it when somebody from my town, it means a bit more to me when someone from my town joins my program because I can't hide in my town. Yeah, you're, you know you're what I mean? A small community up in I mean, we've got people from all over the world in my program, but in my town, when somebody joins, I feel like, yeah, this, this means a lot to me because, you know, I, I, I learned this saying back when I first started speaking all over the place where I've got a, one of my first speaking coaches called Jeff. He said, the further you travel, the more you'll get paid. So some of my biggest offers for speaking, will be like in America. Dubai, right? I never get asked to speak um, locally. It's crazy that, isn't it? But they bring in experts, the council bring in experts from all over the place who can't fill out an event. 
I'm like, why the fuck don't you just ask me? <laughs> you know what I mean? And we had that. So when someone from my local town comes in, that means I'm like, yeah, that means I'm the real deal because people talk shit. The most people talk shit about you is locally. That's mad because I know you've yeah. been supporting like the likes of Aaron and you had one of the other lads from Geordie Shore on. Sam, yes, yeah. Sam, so, honestly, Max just been watching it back and doing the YouTube edits and we had a fucking scream at that guy because I really like him because people are like, why the fuck have you got this guy on? He's a Love Island. He's fucking Geordie Shore. He's a reality TV star. But I'm like, what you don't understand? Those guys get more shit online than almost anybody I know, more than me. They get so much shit and hate off people. It's unbelievable. But he deals with it in a really fun way. Like, literally, he's, he doesn't take himself... That's what I like about him. doesn't take himself too seriously, and he fights. And I've got a lot of respect for anybody that fights. How do so, you yeah. deal with the shit? Because you've had death threats. Dude, I, I, I get... I've had actual death threats, but somebody tells me to kill myself every day. Pretty much every day, I get a comment on one of my videos that says, you should have fucking jumped. So how do you deal <laughs> with that? Like, from, from... Well, I got... There's a few ways I deal with it. One is that often, I'll not see those comments for weeks. Because I'm not constantly checking comments. I'm too committed to my mission. And I did a video about this yesterday. It's going to go live in the next couple of days. It's a flash of it. It's like on a real camera and everything. It's not just one of my lives on my phone that I've just done impromptu. I've actually considered this one. It might get edited in that, which I never do. And um, any, I'm talking about the fact that the reason I miss a lot of these comments because I'm investing my... I have this theory that we only have 100 folks a, a day to give. And... I haven't got the fucks to give to that. It's not that I don't care. Of course I care. There's people telling me to kill myself. What if my wife sees it? What if my kids fucking see it? You know what I mean? Of course I care. But I'm investing my fucks elsewhere. I've only got limited fucks to give. And it's not that I'm ignoring it. It's that I'm just so focused over here on impacting people positively, on podcasts, on missions, on training, on looking after myself, that this is kind of just a, it's out of the way. It's like, I don't, the, I haven't got any fucks left to give over here. Do you know what yeah, I mean? I also understand that it's never about me. People aren't attacking me. They're defending their beliefs. They're, they're making themselves feel better by trying to make me feel bad. And I, so what I'm saying is I don't deal with it. I say this to a lot of people. I, I talked to my friend James Smith about this. And I'm like, the thing is, and I, I did a podcast with him. That's had, I think it's had like 110,000 downloads, which is mad. And... Um, and we talk a lot about criticism because obviously he's had his fair share of criticism. And um, I'm like, the, the I can choose to accept the, basically somebody's given me a box with a bow on it. It's got a grenade in it, a gift. They're giving me a gift like that. That's their words. I can choose whether to take it or just let them keep it. I just let them keep it. So I don't deal with it. Do you ever bite though? Do you ever bite back? <clears throat> the only time I bite is if I'm tired. And I'm sedating by scrolling. That's the only time I bite. Think about this. How can I see it unless I'm scrolling? And I only scroll when I'm tired. So do I bite? Sometimes, most of the time, I either don't see it at all, or I'm just going to delete and block, or I'm just going to see it. This is why I love to kill them. I love to shower them with love because I've got to feel empathy for them. So I'll usually just post, someone will say, you should fucking kill yourself, bro. You're not got a gun. And then I'll just say, I hope you're okay, mate. That's it. No comeback. I'm not accepting that gift. You keep it. That makes sense. Sometimes I don't say anything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And often I don't do that that much anymore either because when you get it every day, it becomes a bit repetitive. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, how many emails can I write about someone telling me to kill myself? So sometimes I don't even notice that they're trying to give me this, uh, this dog shit in a fucking gift wrapper. Or I'm just like, 
I'll say I hope you're okay and they can keep it. I got one yesterday off a guy. A guy who, funny enough, has a dog, has an Instagram account for his dog and messages me off it. There's a direct correlation between how many horrible messages I get and how many of those people have a picture of their dog as their profile picture. Sometimes I'm like, wow, a dog that can type? Well fucking played. Woof woof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, he has some pedigree chum <laughs> Anyway, this guy yesterday sends me a message on Instagram. He said, it's bad enough that I see all your fucking spammy shit on Facebook and now you're on Instagram. It's pathetic, really. I'm like, why would you go out of your way to drop me a DM and say that? Why not just fucking scroll on, bro? He clearly just wants my attention and it's trying to make himself feel better by trying to make me feel bad. And it's on the fact that I'm pushing this fucking podcast with Tyson Fury that is impacting thousands of people around the world and this guy's fucking triggered by it clearly wants to be doing what i'm doing so i just i didn't even reply i just blocked it how do you cope with say people that are trying to be you because you have such a quite a big influence for <laughs> such a big community that you have at the minute it's hard for people to do that and, and, and what i do notice is that james probably gets it more than me right james probably gets people just blatantly copying his shit people don't do it for long because they can't handle what comes with being me this is why I never worry about somebody competing with me doing what I do because they'll fold quickly when they understand that if you want to be outspoken and have an impact, you're going to get, look at Donald Trump. Loads of people love him. Loads of people hate him. He's probably 51% of people love him. 49% of people hate him. I'm probably a little bit higher than that, right? A little bit higher on the love-hate thing. But when people start trying to copy me, they can't deal with 1% of what I get, so they fold. They disappear. And then they might get a they might get a bit of stuff going, and then they realise that coaching men isn't always cracking up the be much. Like that's because I've got to you've got to butt heads with men. You've got to be you've heard me do it. I've got to, you've got to be willing to have uncomfortable conversations to be a fucking top class coach. So yeah, I don't again. It's not something that I'm going to spend too many fucks on. Because yeah. I'm too. It's not that I don't care. Again, I've got to keep saying that we're supposed to care what people think. It's human nature. It's part of our, one of our biggest fears as a human. Like primal fear is being ostracized from the tribe, ostracized from the group, ostracized from the pack, ostracized from the village, if you like. Primal fucking fear. So we're supposed to care what people think, but I'm not going to let that fear dictate what I do and don't do and what I say and don't say. I care too much about the people that are ready to hear my message. Like you've spoken about kind of wasting your energy on stuff that may not happen as well. And that's one of those things that's kind of happening during this weird time because a lot of people are sitting at home. They're a little bit more idle. Yeah, I'm going to tell you the truth. This happened to me yesterday. I had a bit of time doing this yesterday. So no shit. Last night, I finished at the office and I'm walking home. It's been about five o'clock, maybe a little bit earlier. And I'm walking home from the office and we just dropped this, this Fury podcast and three other podcasts. And it's cost me a lot of time to create this podcast because obviously we had to drive and fucking spend the time with Tyson Fury. I didn't, it, he wasn't free. People think I got him for free. I'm like, you don't, you don't get this guy for free. He's just turned down 20 million from Nike. You think I got that for free? You're fucking insane, right? So I spent a lot of money. I've hired a new member of staff, essentially, so that Mac can help me with the podcast, producer Mac, as he's now known. Um, we've bought all the equipment. We've turned our boardroom into a media room, right? The, the equipment, we bought a camera, we bought a, a professional podcast thing so that we can travel and just take the podcast studio with us, right? So it's a proper deck. 
four fucking mics, a, an amazing camera for the YouTube videos, etc. We've gone all in on it. And then I'm like, I paid Tyson Fury a lot of money, right? I'm launching this podcast and Apple still haven't approved it. And I said I was launching yesterday. So I've made the decision, fuck it. I know that Apple give you more opportunities to be found by people who don't know who you are than Spotify. Because Spotify is a music and podcast platform. Apple Podcasts is just podcasts. So when you open up the app, there are loads of graphics for podcasts. When you open up Spotify, podcasts are like a side thought. Right? So I've got a very small chance of being found by people on Spotify. And then I'm like, shall I wait for Apple? Shall I launch on Spotify? Well, I said I was going to launch. Fuck it, I'm going to launch on Spotify. And then I spent the next two hours doubting myself. Have I done the right thing here? Are enough people going to see it? Is Tyson Fury going to share it? <laughs> Is Tyson Fury going to share it? Fuck, are enough people going to download it? Fuck, am I even going to get in the charts? Because that was my big thing. Once I get in the charts, I'll start being able to get even bigger guests. So there's a few people that I want on that I want to notice me in the charts. They're not going to fucking see it on Spotify, are they? So I've got all this fucking self-doubt. Like, and I'm talking physical feelings, like in my gut. Do you know, like, I could label it as anxiety, as fear, as nerves. Or I could be like, that's just my body making sure that I better push this fucking thing hard. There's some feedback. My body's giving me feedback that I better figure this out fast. So, yeah, I totally fucking get it. I totally get it. I'm inventing problems that don't exist yet. And I thought to myself, you know what? It'll be all right because I make it all right. Even if I don't rank on Spotify, there's still a bunch of shit that I can do to rank on iTunes. I mean, I've got a James Smith interview lined up. I've got the lads of SAS Who Dares Wins lined up. I've got Anthony Crawler lined up. I've got this guy called Shinny lined up. These are all big players. I've got fucking Martin Wagon lined up. I've got all these. I, I, I want to go after Chris Ramsey. So these are all guys that can get me ranked on Apple when that launches. So I just had to get out of my head for a minute. Be like, essentially, what's the worst that's going to happen? I've still done a podcast with Tyson Fury. Well, I've still it, launched like, it, like. talk shit. How do you cope with the negativity that potentially could come from that podcast, knowing that you have potentially paid for Tyson to come on? And potentially, like you've you've openly admitted there that you've paid someone to come on to the podcast. And most people think when they get people on the podcast, it's for free and goodwill, all that kind of stuff. How are you going to cope with that? Um, we'll see when it comes. <laughs> but again, here's what I know. Here's what I know. People want certainty that, in fact, they don't want. They want guarantees that everything's going to work. So when I'm in that mode, I'm like, I'm looking for a guarantee, a one hundred percent cast iron guarantee that nothing's going to go wrong, that I'm going to be number one podcast, that I'm going to get a return on my investment, that this is going to happen, that that's going to happen. That guarantee doesn't exist, right? So when people talk about certainty, they don't really want certainty because certainty can't exist without self-doubt, right? It's like courage can't exist without fear. So courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage and fear coexist, the same as certainty and self-doubt. Certainty means that I know what could happen positive and I know what could happen negative. So what I'm certain of is that everything's going to be all right. I'm not going to die. I may get criticized. I'm not going to die. I may get attacked. I'm not going to die. I may never make a return on investment. I'm not going to die. I may never rank in Spotify. I'm not going to die. <laughs> I'm not going to have to move back into my mum into my mum's because I didn't. My wife's not going to leave me because it doesn't rank on Spotify. My kids aren't going to disown me because my podcast doesn't rank on Spotify. That's a worst case scenario. It's laughable if you think about it. So those unhelpful thoughts, right? If I, what I'd say, inside of um, Alliance, I did a training in live in person. 
And I said that, that one of the things that you can do with an unhelpful thought, because that's all that was happening yesterday, my body's giving me feedback because I'm having unhelpful thoughts. Now, these unhelpful, um, hindering thoughts, if you like, if I complete that thought and run it to the end, it's laughable. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of things that I could do. I could reframe it. I could say one of the positives. Or I could do what's called, it's a spoiler. I'm taking this, I'm, t- it's a, I'm spoiling the thought by taking it to the very end. What if this does happen? Well, I'm not going to have to move my <laughs> My wife's not going to leave me. My kids aren't going to disown me. My clients are going to think that's amazing how you've dealt with it. Everybody else is going to think that's actually amazing how you've dealt with it. The worst that's going to happen is that. So in a way, everything's going to be all right. So basically that they complete the thought. Instead of thinking, well, I'm not, what if happens if I didn't just believe that or could I replace it with a positive thought? First thing I'm going to do is how can I complete and spoil the thought? Spoil it by running it to the very end. Catastrophize it, if you like. And when I catastrophize it, it's fucking hilarious and ridiculous. It's mad. It's, it's mad the shit, yeah. the, the stuff that comes into our heads and stuff like that. But you've spoken. The brain's a problem solving tool, mate. It's a high level problem solving tool. So it's always looking for problems to solve. Yeah, it's like a, a safety mechanism. Yeah, it's looking for problems to solve. It's 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 always thinking that on one of our most primal thoughts is predator and prey. What am I going to eat? Am I going to get eaten? <laughs> That's it. Is that fucking dinosaur going to eat me or not? This, do you know what I mean? That's it. Is that fucking wildebeest going to fucking bite my head off or not? Do you know what I mean? And what am I going to eat? Am I going to starve? Am I going to be eaten? That's like our most primal fear. So that's why almost without exception, almost every thought, first thought we have is negative. And then we get caught them in the delusion of, oh, I shouldn't be thinking negatively. Oh, I should only be positive thinking. It's a fucking delusion. That's why most people struggle because they think they should be thinking positive all the time. That like I think that's that's literally like the the podcast in it. Like in it's some of the word. some of the biggest some of the biggest changes I've ever made in my life have came as the result of negative thinking or negative things happening. But what I've done is I've taken positive action. The ne- the the way that I think, like. Again, I only changed my life around because I had negative thoughts. You know what I mean? I'm only pushing the podcast as hard as I am because I'm having negative thoughts about it. Think about that. I'm having negative thoughts about it. I'm pushing it hard because there's a bit of fear. You know what I mean? So the negative thoughts are good. They're good. They serve me. They're real. Yeah. The problems come when I only see the negative thoughts. That's the problem. So that's when I'm only seeing it from one-sidedness, then it's a problem. Even if it's just positive, you think about this, a lot of the most positive people that I know have got some of the shittest lives, like they, they convince themselves that everything's okay. And I'm like, actually the reality is it's not okay, mate. It's not okay. You can't positive think your way out of many things. So the power is when I know, when I see the positive and I see the negative, because then I make better decisions. I've seen these negative thoughts. I'm like, what does that mean? It means go, bro. When I have nerves before I step on the stage, in front of a thousand, eight hundred, nine hundred people, when I step on stage, I'll have nerves. Two ways to think: I'm shitting myself, everything's going to go wrong, or you better do a good job, bro. So you, the, the power is in seeing negative and the positive, the benefits and the drawbacks, the advantages and the disadvantages, and then latching on to whatever you feel that's going to benefit you more than anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna need to know both sides. Yeah, anything else, one side in this rose tinted glasses or brown tinted glasses, as I say. <laughs> <laughs> You've spoken about yeah. um, the, the drugs and the alcohol. 
um yeah. that was a massive part of your life for so long and you were recently out with your mates and they were they were having a fun time in the pub and stuff like that and you were like no yeah. this is this is what i want to do and i i don't i haven't drank in about three and a half years and at the beginning nice. there was a lot of pushback i literally yeah. do it for my own mental health i feel more energized when i don't do it yes. i felt like shit yes. when i was on it yeah but a lot of people well, apart from when you're actually on it you feel amazing yeah when you're on it That's exactly so much fun. That's why people are like, why do people do that, man? Because it's fucking fun. Let's be honest here. Let's not say it's fucking terrible for you. It's fun as fuck. It's great. It feels great when you're doing it. That's why people do it so much, because they want that instant gratification. And they want no inhibitions. They want, they want to escapism. Yeah. Or they just want to be accepted. Yeah, which is the hardest part. And a lot of people, I think, from my own experience, one of, is that... biggest, one of our biggest needs is love. And we think by being accepted by our group that they love us. How to get over that is the big question. That's normal. Um, well, two things for me. Like, if people take the piss on me for not drinking, I'm okay with that. Because they try and get me to drink to justify their own behavior. Because deep down they know that maybe they shouldn't be doing it either. So they try and get me to join in. And again, maybe you got to think about this. I want to be accepted. They're trying to get me to drink. is like they want me to accept them also. Think about that. We join in because they want them to accept us. They're trying to get us to drink because they want to feel accepted by me. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, makes loads of sense. Yeah, yeah. We have this, we have this whole fucking, we have this whole crazy dynamic going on. Now I'm just like, my mates don't even mention it anymore because they're like, there's no point. We're <laughs> <laughs> fighting a losing battle, and and my mates are all, my mates are, are and it took them a while, but they're super supportive now. That they, honestly, I was out when I was out with them the other week, and they were pissed. One of them was so pissed. You saying the waiter, no him here, no Tyson Fury. He's interviewed Tyson Fury, him, you know. And they're like, who the fuck's Tyson Fury? <laughs> no, it's Tyson Fury. He, do you know my mate? He's on, do you know him? Do you know who he is? The scene, the, honestly, the scene of waitresses who are, you know the ones that come around the Sambucas and that, and the fucking Jaeger bombs, the ones that carry him around. They're like, yeah, do, do you not recognize him? Say, do you not recognize my mate? He's on Facebook and that. It's fucking embarrassing for him <laughs> to scream. But they're quite supportive of it now. They love it. So they've kind of bought, I haven't forced them to follow me on the journey. I don't, I don't lecture them ever. I just do my thing. And some of them get triggered by it. Some of them see me as a fucking lighthouse. So they've, I'm like, listen, I'm going to do my thing. I don't need you to join in. I think that's what we try and do. We try and get other people not to drink as well. I'm like, I don't lecture them. I don't need to I don't even need to tell them why I'm not drinking. I'm just like, eh, eh, I'm too busy. Too busy. I don't join in because I'm like, well, I had an event that week for a start. I was, um, I had loads of shit going down that week. I was going on holiday the week after, so I wanted to feel and look great to go on holiday. Um, I've got fucking Alex Myers, who's who's my, I'm his business coach. He's my fucking training coach. I'm fucking terrified of him. I'm not scared of many people, but I'm not texting him when I send him me weight every day. And I'm like, mate, I drank yesterday because he fucking called me out. And I've got a fear of being called out. So I have too much leverage to say, oh, guess what? Oh, I fucked up and had a drink yesterday. There's too many reasons not to. Then that I've got more reasons not to than reasons to, essentially. And that there's not just more in volume, but a higher in um in power as well. Yeah. You've spoken about openly. Yeah, I'm on fire today, just so you know. I'm on I can see that. I can see that. I'm looking for getting lots of value today. I'm going super fucking deep. Um, yeah. The big thing that you've spoken about as well, that you you get a lot of praise as well. You get a, you got a lot of hate, but you get a lot yes. of praise. But you struggle with the praise yeah. part. A little bit. Um, in that, I didn't get enough when I was a kid, which is why I'm so addicted to it. We get addicted to praise, right? But then when we get it, it doesn't really mean that much unless we get it from, we need it from certain people. 
So praise from a stranger is nice, but it's not really all that, right? Praise from people who you know and care about, that's a completely different level. So now, um, do I struggle with it? I don't pay enough attention to it. And so yes is the answer. One thing that I'm looking to start doing is, I'm saying this to my guys and I'm looking to put this in the planner. Every day you have to write down a compliment that you got or a compliment that you give. Like if we started doing that, would it just means we'll give a little bit more of a thought about, you know what, who complimented me today? And just conjuring that up can create positive feelings. Like literally, if we started saying, who complimented, what compliments did I get today? And if we really thought about it, you recalling that compliment will create a positive emotion for you. It's just paying a little bit more attention to it. Yeah. It's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic for me. It was a kid, it was a it was a kid that didn't get enough, and I'm 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 still addicted to it. Dr. John D. Martini said to me, Paul, as long as you're addicted to praise, you'll keep attracting criticism. And I'm okay with that. You can't have one without the other. It's like when I was talking about you can't have the negative without the positive. You can't have the benefit without the dis without the um drawback. You can't have the advantage without the disadvantage. It all goes together. You can't get praise without criticism. So the more you seek out praise, the more criticism you're going to get. I'm okay with that. The more you're never getting criticized without somebody praising you as well. If someone's criticizing me, I know that somebody else, regardless of whether I can see it, somebody somewhere is, is praising me. I'm okay with that. Think about it. Even when we do get praise, we often criticize ourselves. I could have done better there. Could have done that better. I do this all the time. I'm doing podcasts. And I'm thinking I could have done that fucking better. So there's no praise. Even if the, the, the podcast guests would be like, Paul, that was so fucking good. And I'd be like, it was good, but I could have done this better. And I wish I'd asked that. There's always, again, it doesn't matter whether it's us or somebody else. No praise without criticism. Yeah, no no criticism without praise. The last question I'm going to ask you is in relation to BJJ. That is one yes. of your true, true loves. I know you've got to try to get the kids involved as well in it. What is it about BJJ that's kind of like, been a game changer for you in relation to your fitness because a lot of people are like oh, i just have to go to the gym but it's been a game changer for you it really has oh, dude, totally totally i'll probably never go back to training in a gym because lockdown i had to put together a, a kind of garage gym and i hated it at first right i hated it at first so I, I really i don't like weightlifting i don't really like resistance training but being able to do my garage with my underpants on makes it easy. I can get it done in half an hour. I don't have to travel anywhere. I don't have to get changed. I don't have to talk to anybody and just get it done. But BJJ is something that I've kind of fallen in love with it. I was saying to Catherine, who's our office administrator here, I said to her, we're talking about training. She does CrossFit. And she was saying, I was saying, oh, I hate Friday night training because Friday night's normally my lifting night. And I've had a hard day on a Friday. I'm like, eh, I don't really like it. But tonight I'm rolling... Uh, funny enough, I'm a Facebook ads guy. He's coming to train jiu-jitsu with me tonight. And I never have to say, oh, I have to train tonight. Oh, I've got, I need to train tonight. It's always like, oh, fuck, I get to train jiu-jitsu tonight. I'm excited about it. And that's for a few different reasons. One, it's a natural place for me to get rid of any natural aggression that I've got. Men have natural aggression. You've got to think about this. This is often why we're bigger and stronger than women. We have a natural aggression. It's testosterone, right? There is... The fact that there's camaraderie. I'm not doing it on my own. I'm not isolated. When I was at my lowest, I was isolated as fuck. I lived in Marbella. I didn't have any friends. Know what I mean? I was isolated as fuck. I tried to train on my own, get in shape on my own. So I've got the camaraderie. I've got the fact that when I'm doing jiu-jitsu, I don't think about anything else. Anything else. When I'm in the gym, sometimes I've got my phone. I'm, I'm fucking scrolling. I'm trying to create gaps. In. I'm just fucking around. I don't like it. But when I'm rolling jiu-jitsu, there's nowhere else to be. 
if I'm think I can't think about yesterday, I can't think about what he said about me. I can't think about whether he's going to sign up with my program or not. I can't think about what I've got going on tomorrow. If I do that, I get fucking choked out. I get put to sleep. I get my arm broke. So I'm, I have to be completely present. And for me, it's like training, but I don't see it as a, as a chore at all. It's a fun way to get in shape. And it's, I actually train harder doing that than I would do anything else, but I don't even know I'm training hard. Does that make sense? I call it, I would call it violent meditation. It's meditation for me because I'm completely and utterly 1000% present in the moment. Do you feel that it's helped you kind of with kind of the potentially an ego side of things? Because anyone, doesn't matter what size they are, can, can choke you out. Yeah, dude, dude, honestly, I'm, I only really train with people that are better than me. Like Mac. Yeah, like Mac. Um, actually, we've got Sam Gowlins coming in tomorrow. I'm probably a little bit better than Sam. So that might give me a confidence boost. But Mac's a blue belt. We've had, we've had purple belts coming into the laundrette. That's my garage, by the way. And they regularly smash me. But it's the fastest way to get better. Like, you don't grow by being around people that are that you're better than all the time. You grow by getting around people that are better because they drag you up their level. Right? And, and I, I think, and I'm going to do training on this for you guys on Monday. I mentioned it this week that... You can look at somebody's life and you can see that their life is a direct correlation to the expectations of their peer group. So you've got to get around sometimes. And I'm not saying be around positive people. I'm not saying bin all your friends off or bin your family off. I'm saying you've either got to level up your standards or you've got to get around a peer group that have higher standards than you. So you've got to raise your standards either way to get better results. And I just feel that me being around people that do do better at jujitsu than me, I'm forced to get better. It's quite hard to tell though whether you're getting better or not because they're also getting better. Yeah, (laughs) and I I would would 100% agree because that's the one thing I think since I signed up with yourself is being around kind of like like like-minded people. Everyone has their own shit going on, but having this... Inspiring. Yeah, like it is. Everyone has their own shit, but it's also the accountability. Like, And if you put something up on that Facebook group and you... that's also ego, by the 100%. way. That's also ego. That's why we have such high level accountability because guys don't want to look fucking stupid. That's why people leave that report or fucking disappear. Women don't do that, by the way. Women are different. Women will report and tell you when they're struggling. Men will either be like, I'm seven, six, five out of seven days consistent, or they just fucking hide like giant babies because of that ego. So we're either showing off or we're fucking hiding like babies. That's why I get on people's cases. And they hide or act like fucking teenage fucking boys with a permanent stiffy hide, <laughs> hiding in their bedroom, wanking off of a Pamela Anderson. Maybe that was just me when I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah, permanently have my cock in a headlock. <laughs> I think that's where I first learned about jujitsu. <laughs> so, Paul, I'm going to let you tell people where they can find you, where they can find out about the podcast, and where people can sign up and work up with yourself. Best place to go is probably paulmore.uk, but you can find me on Instagram, Facebook. Right now, Paul Moore talks shit on Spotify. Apple are taking the piss uh, right now. Apple are taking the piss, like I say. Um, but any of those platforms is fine. Facebook, Instagram, I'm very fucking active on all of those. Lads, if you haven't listened to Tyson Fury episode, please do listen to it. I listened to it yesterday when it came out, and I was like, fuck. And it's, it's, it's raw. It's unedited as well, which is incredible. So, Paul, yeah, thank you so fun. much for... Mate, thank you for having me on. on. It's been a pleasure. You're an absolute gent. Thank you so much. Great questions, mate. Thank you so much.
guys if you enjoy that episode at all like that was insane my head is just like like incredible stuff from paul guys if you enjoyed that episode at all please do tag paul and i up on your story paul is incredible absolute game changer of a human in my life i've been working with paul for quite a while now and there's this direct correlation to what's happening in personally and business wise so guys if you enjoyed the episode please do tag it up and leave a review up on itunes or tag it up on your story guys hope you've enjoyed the episode and i will talk to you talk to you very soon